Welcome to Manners and Madness, a Jane Austen and David Lynch podcast. My name is Maya Adkins. And I'm Christian Cabrera. And today we have a a special episode for you that we've already recorded. (laughs) (laughs) Long ago. (laughs) You might have heard it if you check if you listen to first impression podcast or i think we talked about it when we did it so mm-hmm. um maybe you went and checked it out but if not we are presenting it to you it is gonna be their episode but we're just gonna put it on our feed because we need an extra week <laughs> <laughs> we want to give everyone access just in case you don't listen to first impressions it'll be a nice little intro into what their podcast is like and how great they are. So oh, they're the best. Yes. I really love them. And we keep saying we need to have them back on the podcast and we do, but you know, we've been doing some really silly, ridiculous things lately mm-hmm. and <laughs> it's just not really the place to bring a guest, but no. <laughs> <laughs> we want to bring them for a really good, like meaty David Lynch. Uh, item. Yeah. Yeah. Because they want to do a David Lynch episode with us. Yes. So um yeah we hope you enjoy this and we will see you next week with a special commentary track yes very very fun and silly and i can't (laughs) wait for you guys to hear it yeah i can't wait (laughs) (laughs) all right all right here we go Hold your breath. Make a wish. Count to three. Come with me and you'll be in a world of pure imagination. Take a look and you'll see into your imagination. We'll begin with a spin Traveling in the world of my creation, what we'll see will defy explanation. Welcome to First Impressions, the podcast where we talk about our love for Jane Austen and give a big middle finger to all the haters. I'm Kristen, and I am joined, as always, by Maggie. Hi, everyone. And we are welcoming today Maya and Christian from Manners and Madness, the podcast about Jane Austen (laughs) and David Lynch. Go ahead, guys, introduce (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Hello. We're so happy to be here. Yes. And for those who don't know, you should go ahead and take a second to say where, what your podcast is as well. Well, our podcast is called Manners and Madness, a Jane Austen and David Lynch podcast. (laughs) Brilliant. A match made in heaven. (laughs) We just mashed them up and we're still going. (laughs) Our listeners are so excited that there's um, another female voice that they will have to try to distinguish between me and Kristen, I'm sure. Uh (laughs) Kristen, you're good. You're good. (laughs) The timbre of mine's a little bit different. (laughs) 
So we all watched Fire Island. We're going to do a Fire Island podcast finally, like a year or more after it came out. This fantastic Jane Austen adaptation that everyone talked was talking about and is still talking about because it's incredible. And I'm so excited to finally talk about it. I was just going to say, it's getting very hot. We're in Florida and this feels like such a summer movie. So yeah, it's, like, it's, yeah, it's already summer. All right, we're getting back in the swing of things. <laughs> So Christian and I have already done a Fire Island podcast, and you can check it out over on their podcast. But now we're doing it in the classic first impressions format of everybody just shows up and says whatever they want, and it's complete chaos. <laughs> it's our brand. That's really our brand. But but yeah, so do we want to jump in and just all share, go, go in a round robin and just share our first impressions? Maya, do you want to go first? Sure. <laughs> My first impression was last year seeing it. I was very excited as soon as we heard it was coming out. So I was very much looking forward to it. <laughs> I really enjoy this particular adaptation because I recently last year started getting into RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> and um, <laughs> ever since I started watching that, I used to, I still always say that Jane Austen would love that show and that if she was alive now, she would be like the poster girl for the reading challenge. And (laughs) I still think that that, like, it really shows like a a part of Jane Austen that doesn't get shown in a lot of adaptations, like the, the quizzing, if you will, of what Jane Austen called quizzing Mm -hmm. of like talking shit about people right in front of their faces and (laughs) and then not being smart enough to understand it. (laughs) Right. Are they going to get that I'm making fun of them? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. But I feel like this adaptation really captured that and I really appreciated that (laughs) I really love this one Christian do you want to share yeah um yeah I also was really excited for this I'm a big Joel Kim Booster Bo and Yang and Matt Rogers fan I listen to Matt Rogers and Bo and Yang's podcast all the time it's really good if you haven't listened to it so I was really excited that the three of them were going to be all together and of course, in a Jane Austen movie, no less. So that was really exciting for our <laughs> podcast. Um, but I loved it. I thought I loved the quippiness of it. It was kind of, it was like smart without being like too like leaned in on the smartness of it. And it has Margaret Cho, which is always a great idea. Can I ask <laughs> you to remind me who Matt Rogers is in the cast? Yeah, he played uh, Luke. Luke. Okay. So yes. Bo and Yang, yeah. for, for those who <laughs> yes. aren't familiar with the actors, Bo and Yang played Howie, who's the sort of the Jane character. Joel Kim Booster, who's also the writer of the script, played Noah, the Lizzie character. And then Matt Rogers plays Lydia. <laughs> yeah, the most perfect Lydia <laughs> there ever was. <laughs> Top-notch Lydia. <laughs> <laughs> Big Lydia energy. Maggie, what did you think? Uh, I loved this movie basically from the moment it started. I loved it on a bunch of different levels. I loved it as a romantic comedy. It was funny and romantic. I loved it as a movie that was featuring gay cast and a romantic comedy about gay characters, which is uh, not something that you see in the mainstream, like just on Hulu. I loved it for being such an amazing adaptation and a modern adaptation. And I felt like every time they had a choice, they they had the opportunity to make a choice about how they were going to interpret something from the novel to a modern film, they made the right one. And I was watching it with my husband and I just kept saying like, they're so smart, they're so smart. (laughs) Everything was just genius. Like from make, you know, he says when they get on the boat, this is the first example. 
he said he drops an f-bomb which are an f the f-word he calls them all the f-word he's like i'm reclaiming it they're my my sisters and i was like mm-hmm. oh my god he's so genius like they're a found family <laughs> yeah. they are sisters but oh, yeah. they don't have to go the obvious, like, oh, we have five sisters, like, ooh, right. like all the other <laughs> modern ones. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, does that it's make any sense? It's not like right on the nose. Yeah, everyone right. feels the need to be like this kind of slavish devotion to source material sometimes. And you really don't have to do that. And the fact that this doesn't do that, I think makes it a more powerful adaptation and more close to the spirit of the book. And you don't have to have like, and, you know, oh, we had to cut Mary because Mary doesn't do everything. You don't have to cut Mary. You just have to think of interesting ways to get the right. spirit of the novel. And they did that also. I just really loved that character. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Mary always. is such a, Mary is oh always my God. The best. <laughs> so underrated. Well, I'm trying to, and um, the, the guy who plays the Mary, um, uh, Torian Miller is Max. Okay. One of the best laugh out loud scenes is when they go to the party and they're doing the drugs yeah, and exactly he is. sees himself in the mirror and he goes oh, is that me I'm gorgeous <laughs> and I loved it I have these moments I mean and he is like he's a he's a, a larger man and like a sea of super fit gay mm-hmm. men and they're very explicit about how like our society has hierarchies which again genius mm-hmm. um but like I see myself in the mirror all the time now two years after having a baby and I'm like oh my god is that what I look like I look terrible and seeing him be like I'm gorgeous it was <laughs> it was like such a power it was yeah really so <laughs> yeah sorry that was a really long-winded way of saying my first impression was I love this movie for all of it <laughs> for everything that it does I, there are so many points that I want to talk more about, but I will just say for my first impressions, and I, I love that you brought up the hierarchy thing. My first impressions were I loved it, but I was almost surprised because when I watched the previews, right, with a trailer for it, the comedy, it was funny, the jokes that were in there, but the comedy seemed amped up so high. And I think where a lot of Jane Austen modern adaptations lose me is that they do so much over the top comedy that the actual comedy that comes out in the relationships between the characters often gets lost. And Mm -hmm. that subtlety is what we like. We love sitting around like, oh, she's such a genius for this little diss that she sets up that the other person doesn't realize that they're being made up fun of that kind of thing that, that you were saying. And so with this, I was like, okay, it's going to be fun, but it's probably not going to get the heart of why I love Pride and Prejudice. And that's not true at all. It absolutely gets to the heart of why Pride and Prejudice is still an impactful story today. But mm-hmm. I also loved that Joel Kim Booster took this to talk about his own life and his own frustrations and his own insecurities. And they parallel, you know, Lizzie and Jane's, but they're mm-hmm. also different and they also also involve race. And, you know, pretty privilege and all of that's all of this as well. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I kind of think exemplifies these decisions is that the characters, most of them have the first letter of their name corresponding to the character in Pride and Prejudice. So, oh, Luke my God. Is- Keegan is Kitty. I didn't realize that until you just said it. <laughs> and Nick said really easy. You didn't realize it, Maggie, because Jane and Lizzie are Howie and Noah. They are not. <laughs> and so I so appreciated that because what he's saying there is, look, I'm going to be saying something about other people besides these characters. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be talking about myself as well as Lizzie Bennett. And Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's why it takes you so long to sort of catch on is because that sets the stage for this is a story about people that are 
their own people. And, mm. the, and they really are the themes that come in talking about taking these characters and overlaying the fr- um, some modern frustrations and some frustrations specific to being gay and some frustrations about how you can't try to fix other people. Now I'm getting into mm-hmm. like my long, my whole long thing. Well, I just, I think it's, I think it's so interesting how he's telling stories about people who we don't usually see stories told about mm-hmm. in this large of an audience using a story that is about like straight white women. And we get a Pride and Prejudice, boom, here's the book within like the first 10 seconds. Yep. Yeah. Of the movie. Oh, yeah. Obligatory. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> they, it does one of those things that I really love about any adaptation is it gives you the characters from a slightly different perspective, but they're still the same characters, but like it's almost like you're looking at them from another lens. So mm-hmm. you're seeing Elizabeth. And to me, the first time I watched it, I was like, this is kind of an abrasive Elizabeth, but like you can read the book and be like, oh, well, Elizabeth is very abrasive, like depending on how you're looking at it. So I love being able to see the character in a different interpretation. So the next time I read it, I can like maybe pick up on some of those notes that I didn't notice. Yeah, I don't normally notice when I'm reading the book. Like a modern Elizabeth, I think would be a break. Like he's coming from a place like Kristen was saying of insecurity. Like he, similar to me, would use humor and like that wit as kind of like a a defensive action, right? So it makes sense that his Lizzie living in a modern world where it's always coming at him from every side is going to be more abrasive. Right. I, maybe that's not even the right word, but you know, it's no, just no. like well, a, I mean, a little he, bit of a different. The, the Will character, his, you know, his like, she's not handsome enough to tempt me is he's not pretty enough to be this annoying. And like, mm. I think that's kind of fair. Like Luke is, I have, I'm not Luke, sorry. Um, our, Noah, <laughs> like sometimes I'm like, I feel like, again, like I do with Lizzie, like I feel similar to him. And sometimes after social interactions, I'm like, oh my God, was I too annoying? You know, like (laughs) that it can be, you can be annoying if you're like that. And I think they do a good job of showing Noah, like he's a good person, but like saying he's sometimes annoying is a fair critique. (laughs) And it comes from the same place, like a defensiveness is what I feel like. Exactly. Elizabeth has that kind of, so it works really well. I really like that. (laughs) I saw Kristen had her hand up. (laughs) Sorry, what a dorky thing. I'm like using No, this. no, no, that's a good idea. My camera's not working, so I'm using the Zoom raise hand. But well, I was going to say something, put my hand down because Maggie, you said it and, and Maya said it kind of talking about it too. But for me, watching Noah and realizing that his abrasiveness does come from defensiveness, it totally blew my mind. And then I was like, is Lizzie this way because she's defensive? She's being prickly and having armor and she's being defensive. And of course she is. And she learned it from her father, right? Her father, like Mr. Bennett's uses humor as a defense mechanism because his life sucks, right? She's surrounded by people. She's seeing the things wrong with the way her life is going. And so she's choosing to laugh at it. And that's a choice, right? There was such an impactful moment at the end, just to keep the the thread of this theme going, where Howie, the Jane character, turns to Noah and says, you know, your way this isn't working for me. Your way of laughing at everything, not caring and going out and having a lot of sex. That's not what I'm not going to do that. That's not going to work for me. And then he says, you be honest. I'm not sure that it's working for you either. Mm -hmm. And that was Mm -hmm. devastating to me. Face crack. (laughs) (laughs) So Christian, were you feeling the same way about how that character was presented? And was that a big moment for you as well? Yeah. Well, and to be, um, 
don't know what the word is, but like I haven't read, we haven't read Pride and Prejudice in the podcast yet. So I have I haven't read like the actual book yet, but I've seen so many adaptations that it's like you can find the ones that like the common threads through all of them for what the stories are. But what I've always liked about Lizzie's character was um, and how I've really related to her was that she her defensiveness to me has always been uh, because she knows more than everyone else. And so she's already trying to think three steps ahead of everyone. She's preparing herself for the people she needs to be defensive against. And it works so well in this movie because being a queer child, you're always kind of put into that space. You're always trying to like figure out ways to blend in and to protect yourself and to think steps ahead. And that always doesn't work out in your favor as we see with Noah, because none of it ever works out. Uh, for Noah in this movie until the end. I really loved that aspect and I really feel like they really picked up on that Lizzie note really, really well. Because you're coming from this perspective of growing up as a queer child, were there other things, can we like explore that? Were there other things that stood out to you? Yeah, well, uh, what was really always interesting to me around this movie was uh, people who really aren't like kind of ingratiated in the queer community, like them learning about like the culture of Fire Island when it's such a prevalent thing in our community. Like we know what Fire Island is. We know who goes to Fire Island. (laughs) There are like, there are like unspoken, like different sectors of Fire Island. There's like the lesbian section, the gay section, and you know, the rest of the people, but. um, And the rest of the people. (laughs) (laughs) Like all the, all the family side, like where all the families go from Staten Island and stuff like that. But it was really interesting to hear people kind of be, not necessarily like shocked, but like to he like to be like, oh, I didn't know this stuff. Where it's mm-hmm. so just known in our community, and it was really it felt nice to like have teachable moments without having to do like the work of actually teaching. I have an <laughs> I have an excellent example of that, if I may. Mm-hmm. My husband Baird doesn't watch a lot of gay movies. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I don't. I'm there are people who watch a lot more than me, but um, and I have a lot of gay friends. And this was the first time I remember seeing mentioned in film prep. And my husband didn't know what that was. Mm. He was like, what is prep? And so I had to explain to him what it is. Like I have friends who speak openly about taking it and things Mm. like that. But I was blown away that that was just dropped. Like, it's just good practice when you're dating, like got to find out who's on prep. To see that represented in the film. And then, you know, that was just an example of what you were saying, Christian. That was like a moment for my husband to learn something about gay community and gay culture he had no idea about. Oh yeah, I love it. I love all the the prep jokes and all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> That's also nice because it's probably bringing a whole different audience to a gay culture movie that would normally probably look at that, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, Jane Austen fans yeah. are always. <laughs> There's not a ton Are of you saying that Jane Austen period. fans are not <laughs> always the most like welcoming of <laughs> different <laughs> lifestyles? Well, I'm just saying that they might not explore something in the more raunchy category. I don't know. Jane Austen fans are freaks, y'all. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Some, 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 some. some. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'll say, Kristen, the chair recognizes. Kristen, were you about to speak? I was just going to say, we always need another Pride and Prejudice adaptation because I feel like there's not. (laughs) But see, that's an excellent point. Like, if you'd asked me before, do you need another Pride and Prejudice? I would have been like, no. <laughs> we did. I didn't know that we did, but we absolutely did. 
I was going to say too, the humor in this movie, I think it's a really important point that it does push the limits and that there will be some jokes that it takes you a moment to get, or you may not mm-hmm. may completely go over your head. And there are also a lot of cultural references that are sort of gay cultural references that of course, everyone knows who Cherry Jones is. I have to admit, I didn't mm-hmm. know <laughs> like our Wi-Fi oh. <laughs> password. It's Cherry Jones with the, the E's are threes. <laughs> <laughs> The, the humor is so good, but mm-hmm. it definitely takes you a second to stop and be like, okay, I'm in a cultural space now where I'm also going to be learning about other things. And so it's not just the Pride and Prejudice we've all seen a million times where like, let meet my sister Georgie, like we were complaining about in like every adaptation. There's like... <laughs> It just heightens the fact that we're taking Jane Austen and she's applicable everywhere and she's applicable. I think this is the first time that I've ever seen her applied to the gay community this way. Because having, having spoken to some other folks about this movie, gay friends of mine, several of them brought up like the idea of pretty privilege. And actually one of them was saying that the movie, they were uncomfortable with it because they conflated race with pretty privilege and it's not the same thing. And mm-hmm. so there's a mm-hmm. lot, there's a lot to like mine on that level that I totally wasn't even aware of. So it really opens up this whole other way of using Austin as a lens as well. Oh yeah. I think it does a really great job, like with the intersectionality of when you like pretty privilege and the race and like the body size. And then I think it also, what is interesting to talk about with two leads being Asian and gay is like the fetishization of Asian gay. Oh, like that guy who's like, are you Korean? Mm. You look Korean. Something about you says, it's like, that guy's gross. But like, we get it. Like we get that that's that's what's happening there. Oh yeah. It's it's pretty bad, especially with Asian twinks and like Latin twinks. It gets very Mm -hmm. racial, very fast. You can see like on dating apps and stuff like that. And it's very uncomfortable. And it was very interesting to see it talked about, especially with uh, Noah being like a thinner, like even though he's more built, he's like a smaller frame than yeah. how he was. But how he says to sense. him, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. Oh, that was the I'm going to get tweets like, why are you interrupting your guest? Um, <laughs> and how he even says to him specifically, doesn't he say like, don't pretend that our experience is the same. Mm-hmm. He's like, you want me, you want the two of us to be this like, oh, you know, we're like, we're together, the world's against your right. response to it was to do this to yourself, like indicating how he got like super ripped. Super ripped. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, but that's not, that's not me. That's not what I am. Like people mm-hmm. react to me differently than they react to you. Even like they're, we're both gay and Asian, but it's still completely different. And it's kind of like a topic that if this was just going to be like a modern rom-com adaptation of Pride and Prejudice, you know, where all the genders were the same as in the original, I doubt we would have any sort of um, nuance into you know, specificities and stuff like that. I think because it's in a whole different um, group of people that we can really explore different things that I doubt we would ever explore in just a normal straight adaptation. It almost seems like sex is another form of currency. Like, yes, these people are rich, but yes, they Mm. also have this other form of currency, which is that they're extremely hot. And so now we're dealing with people who are rich in several different ways and people who are, you know, feeling like, And this also this feeling of this incredible person who is amazing, anybody really, but in this, in this adaptation, it's kind of Bo and Yang's story, uh, Howie's story, 
is that he's completely being overlooked because of the lack of wealth and the lack of that conventional ripped attractiveness. And that's what's so frustrating for Lizzie in Pride and Prejudice is that Jane is being overlooked because she's not from a wealthy family. And that's ultimately, Mm -hmm. I think, what Austin was always railing against is like people's value is completely getting overlooked in a society that only cares about who has money. And Mm -hmm. that's just immoral, really. It's a a moral dimension that these people who are awesome and, and don't get to live their full lives because they're poor, or in this case, because they're being overlooked because of their lack of attractiveness or both. I think that's a great point, Kristen. And it makes me think of the scene, which is kind of like the quote proposal scene in the book where Will and Noah are walking through the rain. Oh, mm-hmm. totally shout out <laughs> to the 2005. Yes. Um, but they have this big fight and he he's like, you didn't, the same exact he's, spot. <laughs> yeah, right. He's basically saying like you, like imme- you and your friends, like immediately dismissed Howie mm-hmm. without even, you just made all these assumptions and Will who's the Darcy is like, well, I felt I had to protect Charlie from him. And Noah is like, protect him from Howie? (laughs) Have you met Howie? Like Howie needs protecting from you people. And that is like saying kind of like making the subtext text. But Mm -hmm. I thought it was, it was so smart. Like he just gets that book so well and he really gets those characters and he's able to say like, it is true because Howie is just the sweetest little darling person. And this idea that Will feels like they're at risk from him is ludicrous. Well, and there's like a whole nother level because it's not just that he's overlooked. It's that he's looking for something different than what everyone else is looking for Mm -hmm. because they're all into like the fast hookup culture and he wants you know, a real relationship. And while that's not exactly the same as Jane in the book, but it adds like a level of dimension that is there. That's not the same. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. no, 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 I get it. in the book, it's a different set of circumstances that, but there's more nuance to it in the book than if, you know, just a normal modern day perspective on it. So I thought right. that was really interesting to like add that whole other element to it as well. And I think that scene, that scene, of them in the woods when they have that fight. And then also the scene where Noah overhears what Will is saying to Charlie when he's in the bathroom. I thought, so I think one of the things this movie does that maybe it even does better than Pride and Prejudice, to be honest, is like make Will's position and motivations very clear for the audience. Oh my God, Kristen gave me like the <gasps> face in Zoom. But like we, there's been a lot, every time we talk about Pride and Prejudice where you see fans of the novel talking about, there's a lot of kind of debate. Like what's driving Darcy? Like what is his personality? Like, mm-hmm. is he on the spectrum? Is he just shy? Is he this? Are people constantly trying to get his money? But like, it's not said, we don't really know. So I actually appreciate as an audience watching something that's only two hours long, knowing exactly what Will's motivation as a character is to protect his friend. And he says like, there's people constantly trying to get to Charlie because of his Mm -hmm. money and his influence and he's cute and all of this stuff. And I just, I loved the way that they did Will as the Darcy character. I thought that he was just such a fully realized person who I understood. And I saw his point of view. It's, Mm -hmm. It's smart because, and now I'm rambling, but when you have two characters who are fighting, if they're both right, that's really interesting and really compelling mm-hmm. as an audience member. That's what you want to see. You want to be able to understand both sides and not just be like, well, that guy's an asshole. But like, I understand where Will's coming from. And mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. yeah. And he does an equally bad job as he does. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> right, 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 right. Kiss him. He's like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> you can't read signals. <laughs> We're having a fight. <laughs> 
what I think is also, and I don't know if this choice was like intentional with the casting and everything, but what's interesting also, and I think it's a comment about Darcy is uh, to see Will kind of all his friends are like fit, white, rich people. And he's the only kind of outlier being Mm -hmm. an ethnic uh, ethnicity that's not white. Mm -hmm. And so to see him kind of stick his neck out more for this class of privilege that exists with this his group of friends and to kind of immediately like poo-poo the rest of the group, no one howling all of them, uh, just kind of shows like how Darcy's main issue is that his the privilege has totally corrupted his mind yeah. and he has completely devoted himself in the beginning of the story to sticking with this group rather than kind of being who he truly is and how maybe Jane was trying to make a comment about how status really corrupts Mm. humanity Mm -hmm. if that makes sense this just makes me think of how gross Reese is their friend is that the name of the guy or is that the guy they bring who Charlie was dating who's the friend who's like the Caroline Bingley character Cooper 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 Cooper. that guy who plays Cooper (laughs) is a genius he was so good at being awful Mm-hmm. but like plausible and it was like Caroline and, and Lady Catherine yeah. mixed yeah. I kind of like what you were saying like making fun of people without them knowing like, like you know he's making fun of you but there's that mm-hmm. like plausible deniability where you can't really oh, call yeah. him out oh he was very good <laughs> yeah. I thought he was very, he very was really good. good and he was wearing a mesh yeah, shirt yeah. at one point and I was like <laughs> You've told me all you need to tell me based on this costuming about this character. (laughs) And I really like Dex as well, like the Wickham character, because a lot of times I feel like Wickham in the adaptations, you're just like, you're obviously bad, you know, like from the beginning. But he's like so hot. (laughs) And and likable. Super hot, super likable. Yeah, like I thought that was, again, like really understanding those characters and then Mm -hmm. answering the question, what is the modern equivalent of Lydia running off to get to elope? Because, you know, like nobody gives a shit about that now. Like who cares? But the like revenge porn or just like posting Mm -hmm. a non-consexual sex tape on his Instagram. I, again, genius, genius. To him, it was like, what's the big deal? Yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah, because Lydia often you're like, you think of her as culpable, even though she's like a 15 year old girl. But like in this one, you know, Luke is so lovable that you never are like, how dare you, Luke? You're just like, oh, poor Luke. So it kind of gives you a new perspective on Lydia too. Like, yeah, you know, I don't know. <laughs> they, they actually dig into the consent issue, which like I've never seen anybody discuss really in any context, like her running off with him. Like how like is, is she even capable of doing? I mean, in our modern legal system, like that's rape, you know, and to have the, to make that a key part of it. Like I was drunk. I said we have sex. I did not consent. You know, I just thought ah, I just loved it. You guys, mm-hmm. I loved it. <laughs> really dark other modern adaptations have also like how do we make this at just as dark and i think it was in bride and prejudice where um the wickham character got alexis bladell like pregnant and then forced her to abortion or something if i remember this right but i just wanted to go back to that one yeah (laughs) yeah that yeah but this was even darker i mean this was awful and because and there was a consent issue an intoxication issue right luke was Mm -hmm. also drugged but I wanted to go back to a couple of things. Maya, when you were saying that Dex was like a likable guy, I thought that the moment where Dex is in the pantry, which is an incredibly overpriced grocery store because it's an island, right? 
Um, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Noah has to go dent the cans because Margaret Cho is in financial straits and he wants to get a discount on the cans. And Dex comes upon Noah doing this and Noah's like, oh my God, it's so embarrassing. And Dex is like, yeah, hell yeah, let's dent some cans. You have to mention how they introduce him to the frame, Kristen. He, the camera is focused on Noah who's kneeling down and we just see Dex's incredible legs Mm -hmm. come into the frame. And you're like, oh my God. (laughs) Oh my God. Uh, There's so many things watching this movie and Christian, you kind of, you were talking about this earlier, but I don't know anything about Fire Island, but even watching Mm -hmm. it, I was like, people who are familiar with Fire Island are just going to be constantly like, oh my God, the pantry or like, Mm. oh my God, the meat locker, you know, like all the little things, all of the sets and parties and things Mm. that are referenced. It felt it and it, it, cause it is, but like, I just felt such a part of that experience not the like sex room in the back. I didn't need to, I, you know, I don't, I'm not part of that experience, <laughs> sex but it felt, it all felt, it all felt so genuine because like, it just mm-hmm. felt like such, like, this is their life. This is their community. This is what they do. I was instantly like mm-hmm. teleported to that world and I loved it. You know, I, I love it. Have you been to Fire Island or do you have friends who have gone or? I haven't been, but I've been wanting to go. It's just it's expensive, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's very expensive. And I'll yeah. get a house on Fire Island. <laughs> yes. And then, oh, did you notice at the end? I love this. That very last shot is them like it must be a drone shot, but pulling away and showing the mm-hmm. island. And it's small. It's, it's so very small. small. The real estate there must be insane. Oh yeah. I mean, you yeah. can see New Jersey as they're watching the sunset. It's like yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Right there. <laughs> Christian, yeah. so are dances like tea and I, I think the one is called the underwear dance mm-hmm. or whatever. These are like really well known. So that would be like a cultural beat as well. For Yeah, definitely the underwear, the underwear party is what they call it. And I think even on the their podcast, I think it was maybe a couple of years ago, uh, Bowen and Matt talk about going to the underwear party mm-hmm. and how Bowen kind of has very similar experiences that Howie has in the movie, which is why I thought it was a perfect casting choice. It's just, yeah, I mean, it's very intimidating, especially when you're of a certain age and they seem to all be in their like, you know, late 20s where you're kind of starting to grow out of it, but you're kind of still holding on, especially with a place like that where it Mm -hmm. feels so like the hierarchies and the rules for everything and the sexist currency being so antiquated. Did I get the name of like that wooded area? Is it is it the meat locker? Is that what they call it? Or it was called it was meat uh, something. Yeah, I think yeah. Or meat. I, I couldn't remember. It was I like think it's meat. the meat locker. I think. But um, it took me like three viewings yeah. to understand that that was what I thought he had been referring to, like a restaurant or something, and that's why yeah. I didn't understand why they were in the woods. And then I was like, Margaret, you're an idiot. Like, <laughs> that's where you go meet. Yeah, do you see some meat? meat. Okay, but do you guys remember the part? Now it's just me being like, I love this part where Howie falls down the stairs right in front of Charlie. Mm. Oh, cringe, cringe! But so funny, but so cringy and so relatable. Yes, I have really strong little ice creams. Oh my god! Oh my god! The part where he's the the two parts where Will is eating ice cream, where he's like, I didn't, I didn't peg you for an itty bitty ice cream cone guy, and he just throws it away. And then when he's eating the ice cream, walking down the hall, and he sees them, and he just bolts. (laughs) So funny! My husband laughed so hard. 
hard. Like we actually rewound <laughs> it and rewatched the scene where he runs because it was so hilarious. So Such good physical comedy <laughs> in this movie. Wait, so I I would love to move into like because I have a list of a long list of jokes that I want to talk about. And <laughs> okay, let's just talk about our favorite parts. But, but before we do that, before we do that, there's one other thing. Well, I wanted to ask um, a couple of other things um, of my and Christian, but then there was one other thing that I wanted to bring up. And that is the scene where Will and Noah are outside by the pool. Noah and Charlie have come over for dinner and they're going to play mm-hmm. games, right? But but Noah is out reading his, reading Runaways, the collected Alice Monroe story anthology. Yes. And they start talking about this story, Powers. Have you guys read Powers at all? No, I haven't. Kristen, I know you did no. because you're a big nerd. I think this is <laughs> this scene is so important. And it was it was the moment for me when I was watching this where I was like, wow, these these guys are really doing something very, very Austin-ish with this, Austin-esque with this movie. Mm-hmm. I have all these notes like, oh my God, this is such an Austin moment. Oh my gosh, this is such a Lizzie and Lizzie <laughs> moment where they are having an argument, they're having an argument. So Will is is literate. Um Noah, of course, <laughs> is also very literate. Like I mean, they read a lot, not that yes, they are well read. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> who goes on vacation to it's read? Like Lizzie and Darcy. <laughs> He's like, who goes on vacation to read? And I was like, listen, first of all, I find that personally nice. offensive. That's when Cooper, that's when Cooper really showed himself to me. Okay. Sorry, Kristen, go ahead. <laughs> They're having a back and forth about powers and somebody, I, I forget which of them is like, oh, what's your favorite story? I think Will gets goaded into asking. He's like, oh, so you so you read and no, and then he goes like, I'm not interested in questions I already know the answers to. Something like he's mm. being very standoffish and not socially. He's not using the same social cues as everybody mm. else because he's he's not interested in questions he knows the answers to. He says that right out. Right. He's not interested in making things easy for other people when he's interacting with them, which is a very Darcy thing. Mm-hmm. But they go back and forth. And they talk about Powers. And Powers is a story about a young woman who is in a rural area who does have a psychic power. She can know what's in your pockets or she can find lost things or she can read words on a paper elsewhere that she can't see. The story is really moving, but I mean, also really ominous in that this woman has powers. A man comes to town you think that he's fallen in love with her, but what you really, what Alice Monroe really describes is the man is attracted to her. And what he's really attracted to is this ability to exploit her powers. Mm -hmm. So he takes her out of her comfort zone in this rural area and takes her to go be researched by scientists. And then when that doesn't work out for fame and fortune, he winds up forcing her to do like this traveling show where she's Mm -hmm. like a fake psychic Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and she loses her powers. She's Ugh. taken out of, and, you know, Will says, well, the powers are almost beside the point. And to a certain extent in the story, that's true. I don't want to spend like this entire podcast doing it literally. <laughs> I don't really know. I, I love Alice Monroe, but I'm no expert. But it it really, it really correlates to the story that Joel Kim Booster is trying to tell, mm-hmm. where people have powers like Howie's, just a fantastic guy. But they're kind of overlooked. And then when they are seen for who they are, they're open to exploitation because they are not, they have powers, but they are not powerful. They are not using them for wealth. They are not seen as powerful. And then they're, they become exploited by others 
who want to use that for their own gain. So it's a it's a really interesting. I would definitely encourage anybody to read it, but this the scene is also interesting and also Austin-esque because there's this amazing moment where they're starting to argue over powers and there's a lot of you, a lot of things you can argue about with powers. And Will's like, "Well, it doesn't really matter." And then Noah's like, "If it doesn't matter, just let me win." <laughs> argument we speaking are for like also like speaking for every woman everywhere yeah <laughs> we don't know each other there is not that trust here yet to give us honest opinions about when you think the other person is wrong you don't come into a conversation with a stranger and go oh you're wrong like that right. that's not how you start a relationship and so it's just highlighting will's darkness Kristen, this is to you, to me, this read as the scene where Elizabeth is chastising Darcy for not, he's like, I'm not good at talking to people. Like, to me, that was kind of the corollary here. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? Also where she's saying, you know, she prefers to read and he's like, oh, I like someone who reads. And she's like, I don't read. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I don't read a lot. <laughs> read like you know buzzfeed articles i read articles really <laughs> i thought it was the netherfield ball where they're dancing oh okay that's, that's interesting like, we all had a different it's your turn to say something now like mm-hmm. to, like mm-hmm. like very explicitly coaching him to have a conversation because that's what you do in social situations that is what that red liked <laughs> so i don't know if anyone else had comments about like that particular scene or that did that stand out to you I was just going to say, I like the way this scene kind of comes back to play at the end when it's more like the Lizzie another field where they're just like on the beach reading together. And it's like, Aww. you guys are just so much dorky together. I love it. <laughs> Especially when he set it up at the very beginning. Like I come here to read. Some people come here to read, you know, right? <laughs> found the right person. <laughs> so Maya and Christian, I was also going to ask you guys another question, which is now completely fucking deserted me. But (laughs) can I ask you what you thought about the Mrs. Bennett character about Margaret Cho? Oh, I thought she was great. I I loved her. Got kind of the hysteria of um, Mm. Mrs. Bennett a little bit, but like she's not so over the top, but you can tell how much she really just wants the best for them and loves them. Mm. And like, I also really like her perspective on the fact that like things are always going to have to change, you know, but that doesn't mean that it's going to get worse. It's just going to be a new thing. And Mm. Yeah, I really like her. <laughs> yeah, I think it was like really interesting to kind of uh, because she's like the mother figure, but she's not like, uh, you know, their actual mother. And yeah. so to have that separation, I think does kind of dial down like the uh, annoyance that I would normally have with uh, Mrs. Bennett, just because it's like overpowering. And I feel like she was just like the perfect example of what maybe Miss Bennett could be. <laughs> and and she gets really good moments too, where she gives good advice and helps them. Like everyone mm-hmm. here, even our secondary characters get really good moments. I would actually, I wanted more Max actually. That's mm-hmm. maybe my only critique. I really loved that character and I wish that he maybe gotten a little more stuff to do, but like Margaret Chow, she gets some really, she's like, you guys have heard all my stories, but you haven't heard about the mistakes I made and mm-hmm. like how I learned from mm-hmm. it. And so she's a much better mother to them than Mrs. Bennett was. <laughs> right. <laughs> and a shout was- out to Keegan because I yeah. always love Kitty. <laughs> yes. Great in this. They gave Kitty so much to do and so many good lines. They really mm-hmm. rehabilitated Kitty, didn't they? <laughs> oh, yeah. And like, what an incredible performance, too. Just like that 
actor was always doing something interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> what was going on. And the relationship with with uh, Luke was like particularly I loved it. Kitty and I Lydia, it. you know. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. Don't what are you doing with that cheese? Do not put that in the hot tub. Like screw <laughs> 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 <For a> year. <laughs> I was just gonna say another good decision to amp up the stakes was that it's their last summer because mm-hmm. Margaret Cho has invested in Quibi and lost a lot of money. <laughs> Which is a great in-joke because this was originally contracted to be for Quibi. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. uh, yeah. So that was kind of like a nice little in-joke. And then Hulu picked it up when Quibi fell apart. That's yes. so funny. I had no idea. But because Lizzie and Jane also have a clock ticking, don't they? Like mm-hmm. they're about to expire. And so that just puts like the urgency on this part of their lives is ending. Can how we find love? <laughs> you know, and <laughs> last week on Fire Island. And, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Margaret Cho's most Mrs. Bennett moment to me was, was the classic moment that they also put in the trailer where they're walking behind Howie and Charlie who have just met. And Charlie's like, oh, um, you can trust me. I'm a, I'm a doctor, right? And Margaret shows <laughs> behind and she screams. At <laughs> He's a doctor. Yeah. He's a doctor. Uh, oh my or God. Or when she gets the uh, text about uh, Luke at the end as well. That's the other mm. like oh, quintessential. Right. <laughs> oh, I just, and we haven't talked about him, but shout out to Charlie, who I, I thought was, was say. just so great. <laughs> So he was, great. He's a perfect Bingley. <laughs> the only thing that really made me mad about Charlie's character is that he's surrounding himself with obvious assholes. And so mm-hmm. like people who would hang out with people like that, <laughs> maybe they're not that. I just, he just didn't have, I think like the ability to stand up to them. Yeah. Uh, well, I just think Bingley. it's, a, it, <laughs> it makes it very complicated to do a Bingley character in like the present day and not make you kind of like look at him twice because like what's wrong with you this guy's an asshole like when it's his sister there's not much he can do right and then especially like back then everyone was so like separated and lived so yeah. far apart you kind of have to just deal with what you got even your if friends are the, like your your family like you can't go anywhere they're all you're right. here for like forever <laughs> right and so I think he did a great job but I just did not necessarily love Charlie really uh I thought like I it was acted well I just didn't really love the character just because it's like I don't understand what he has to be protected from Mm. and I never understood will like I okay if he's like maybe just a little like delusional like what's the worst that could happen you know what I I mean I got the impression that Will was mostly talking about his money like people would just like date him and then use him as like a sugar daddy and like just drain him of his I'm money. curious <laughs> to see when we read the book later this year if you'll have the mm. same problems with Bingley because I feel like it's the exact same thing because it's like right dude, you're you're a right. grown-up yeah <laughs> what well, do your friends tell you what to do <laughs> right well then also it's like grow up and don't let people take advantage of you because you should kind of have you've had every opportunity to kind of become a like model citizen like a model person who has the right barrier set up to protect yourself. And mm-hmm. I don't think I should feel bad for you because you're kind of just too dumb to look out for yourself in a way. And that's a really interesting perspective. And it makes me think about persuasion, which is a very different circumstance mm. where she is like a young woman right. who doesn't have any ability to really stand up to the people around her, as opposed to someone like Bingley, who is right wealthy a man making his own decisions is capable of doing that and so it definitely is a ding against Bingley's character that he's so easily 
persuaded yeah. and and if Charlie too like that was my main thing like why is Charlie hanging out with these assholes right right <laughs> and it's yeah. just like it's one of two things it's that he's excusing all their behavior which is shitty or he's not under like interpreting their behavior the same way so which is it. <laughs> yeah where and it's like ignorance is not an excuse I guess to maybe, hang out with shitty people well maybe that helps explain Will's behavior then because he's already mm-hmm. seen his friend being basically taken right. advantage of by these other shitty people and he doesn't want yeah. any more coming in is yeah yeah with uh, it just invites back the old shitty people yeah just the old people. <laughs> Maya, like, like when Reese comes back and that's his old boyfriend, right? Um, they like, who okayed this? <laughs> I know, what a dumb idea. I know, but like, <laughs> we flew your old boyfriend back. Like, clearly he snaps his fingers with some story about Lyme disease, which actually I love. <laughs> so funny. Lyme disease. Um, <laughs> and, so uh, and then Charlie's right back and he's like, I feel like I have to go back because he's sick. And so you're like, oh, this mm-hmm. person can just be very easily manipulated because yeah. I'm really interested to hear you say that, Christian, because I have all these notes about how what makes this movie work for me. One of the really big elements is how organic the attraction feels between Howie and Charlie, even though they're mm-hmm. coming from such different worlds. And I was going to yes. say, like you were saying, it was well acted. Like I, I was going to say James Scully, like did such a good job at making me invested in Charlie mm-hmm. as a person, even though he's surrounded by all of these assholes. It's almost like he doesn't know any better. Like right. um, how he's telling him, he, he's never been exposed to like a culture of fun. He's only like exposed to this culture of rich assholes. And so when he meets Howie and Howie starts telling him about gays in space mm-hmm. and the cultural beats. And then later Charlie's like, you guys are all so funny. I've never known <laughs> anyone like you before. <laughs> Such a sad comment. <laughs> sad. sad. And then he goes, hey, you guys know Amy Schumer? And uh, <laughs> It was so funny. You guys are like Amy Schumer. <laughs> it's like, oh, you have so much to learn. But Charlie so and Howie, they're just both, Charlie and Howie are both just such like adorable night. They're just like mm. Muppets that you want to like, if I was, I would be like, oh, I love you. I love you too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They both have like an innocence to them. Yes, and, yes, yes. Sweetness. Uh, yeah. And I just... I was definitely, and this might be like a singular opinion I have, but I'm like, if, I mean, if Howie wants to manipulate Charlie, that's fine with me. (laughs) I mean, honestly, like Charlie is pretty dumb. So Howie would do it for good. He'd use it for- Exactly. He would, you know, manipulate it into his- Howie also has, I feel like more, almost more character growth than like Jane has, because by the end Mm -hmm. he's like willing to stand up and say, well, I'm not going to take your- crap yeah you better yeah. really win me over <laughs> yeah. what did you guys think about the big rom-com moment at the end where they like get the fairy and chase him down oh and, i loved it yeah i loved it too yeah. this exactly. movie does it it's like straddles this like it's a pride and purchase adaptation but it's also very clearly a rom-com mm-hmm. and so we have totally. to like have those beats the chase um, well, I, thought it was, on it. <laughs> I thought it was very romantic yeah, I, I got it. teary-eyed. Oh my god! And then the part at the end where he's like, "You have to do a big gesture," and he's like, "I love you," and everyone goes, "No, no, no too, bit, too, bit, much, <laughs> too much, too much, <laughs> too big." Yeah, I love a good rom-com moment. I feel like they're so. I mean, like in the eighties and nineties, they were like you know quintessential to almost all movies, and I feel like people have just lost their love of it, and I want it yeah. back. Can I shout out a couple moments yes, as we're yes. getting close yes. to an hour? 
I really, two of my favorite moments are one where after the little ice cream, they end up at the um, peppermint, I don't know mm-hmm. if it's a drag show or if it's some sort of dance party or something, but um, they force Will up on stage to dance and mm-hmm. it's just hilarious. It's terrible. <laughs> now see, this is another, like every time they had the opportunity to make a choice, like most movies, Will would be a great dancer and right. everyone would go crazy. And you're like, oh my God, I had no idea. He was such a good dancer. No, Will's <laughs> not a good dancer. <laughs> but he still does it. Yeah. Because... It makes him more endearing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. What else? Oh, I also really love the performance when like Bowen Yang and Matt Rogers and Tomas. This is the karaoke. Yeah, Matt Tomas. Yeah, the karaoke <laughs> moment. That's yes. just like such a fun. And I think that this this last time I was watching it, I it was like a week ago now. So my brain is not remembering the details. I think that comes back and Charlie is like singing that song later or something. And I was like, mm-hmm. I didn't even notice that the first time I watched it, but I just thought it was really funny. Now, um, you guys are fun. younger. Oh. Do you know sometimes by <laughs> Britney Spears? Like, is that song that you guys are familiar uh, with? Okay. Very, very quintessential to my childhood. Okay, good. I just want to make sure because like, I remember when that song came out, you know. I am not younger. Oh, okay. Okay. Just Christian. You're our little baby. Look at you. (laughs) Yeah, that song was like, it was a perfect song choice because it kind of encapsulates the the feelings of everyone I mean there's they're all like insecure about some every single the four I mean it is not ever a song I would have thought to Mm -hmm. use there and they did and it feels so perfect and then of course the guy is like doing backup was so cute yes (laughs) (laughs) I just I I remember watching I was thinking like are young people watching this movie gonna like know that song but I'm glad to know that like the kids are all right oh yeah mm. i think i didn't really thing... know it but i thought it worked just fine <laughs> oh <Yeah>. maya <laughs> <laughs> i think that one thing that's really good about our community is that we're definitely like really good about musical references and cultural references and passing them down to the next generation which i was like it's great i have to say for musical cues um first of all christian i thought there's a brilliant point about the lyrics of sometimes mm-hmm. being related to the characters because i did not go that far in my analysis and you're 100 right oh my yeah. god <laughs> it's all about insecurity it's all about they all run oh my god sometimes they run sometimes they, sometimes they cry <laughs> sometimes i'm scared of yeah but they just want to <laughs> hold each other really tight <laughs> hold you. okay sorry but the other musical <laughs> reference that really got me and it's very early on is when he's talking about how important fire island is to them and you hear the little intro bum 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 but and it's pure imagination you know, the Willy oh, yeah, yeah. Wonka. That's when they're on the boat ride in, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Perfect. From Willy Wonka. <laughs> there is. Yeah. There is definitely like a mysticism around Fire Island. As it's this, so beautiful. Like, it's, I mean, yeah, it's like this beautiful kind of like, and it's definitely portrayed as like a paradise within our community. But, you know, it's definitely a very neutered thing within our community like mm. you know this is where you get to see that this movie kind of gives the real feelings of actually going to fire island if you're able to well that's the danger of building something up like that right it's like right. i would just be afraid well the real is the reality ever possibly going to live up to my expectation 
Yeah. <laughs> Never. <laughs> sometimes you just end up falling down the stairs in front of the guy mm-hmm. you think is cute. And then that's the reality of your yeah. <laughs> <perfect> vacation. <laughs> exactly. But you end up with him. <laughs> or the only drugs you find are ones you found on the floor from a guy who stayed at your house three months ago and you just got to take it. Nope. <laughs> Something good happens. <laughs> uh, the floor pill. I couldn't believe. Uh, it was so she funny. That was so like I have I have so actually gross. been in that exact circumstance and it was like I'm not taking the floor pill. <laughs> Good choice. Never. Never take the floor pill. It's like, is this ibuprofen? Is it like, else? like I don't know. <laughs> Are there any other favorite moments that people wanted to bring up? I I have a couple, but I didn't want to take somebody else's if they were about to say something. Um, I don't think oh, so. Go ahead. Yeah, go, Kristen. Long list. Okay, so we were talking <laughs> about when Howie falls. <laughs> he gets up and he's like, it happens all the time. I have really strong knees. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Ah. Oh, love a good double entendre. So mm. mortified that yep. double entendre, and Charlie is not horrified at all. Um, Charlie mm. just has so many beats too, like with with Howie, like throwing up all night because Howie gets sick at Charlie's mm-hmm. house, like Jane gets sick. But it's a hangover. Field. It's perfect. Genius. Brilliant. No notes. Perfect. Um, <laughs> and Charlie's like rubbing his back when he's throwing up, and that's like I'm very invested very very early. And then when Noah shows up, he and Will have like a battle of words, right? About water bottles or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then Noah goes into the bathroom. How is in the in the tub feeling sick? Charlie and Will mm-hmm. walk in and Charlie's like, is he okay? And Noah's like, he is pregnant and he is not raising this baby. You <laughs> <laughs> see Will actually laugh at Noah. So after saying he's he's annoying, he's uh, not hot enough to be that annoying. All of a sudden he has that spark of this guy's really funny and that nascent attraction, mm-hmm. which of course the Lizzie character, Noah is not feeling at all. But you can see all these things evolve, which I really love. Just to piggyback on that really quick, Kristen, when Noah and Will are having their like tiff in the kitchen about recycling <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, and Noah like eye contact drops the plastic bottle in the trash. And then when mm-hmm. Noah leaves, he like very quickly takes it out and puts it in the recycling. <laughs> right. <laughs> He's like, but I'm not actually going to do that because that's wrong. <laughs> I don't believe in recycling. was a great moment too. And uh, another very Netherfield ball situation was in Luke. Uh, pukes in the planter oh my god so gross (laughs) but so funny later when noah goes back to that house later that planter is conspicuously still there like they didn't throw (laughs) i'm sure someone cleaned it out kristen no but i mean it was it was like i need to have confirmation (laughs) that this has been cleaned (laughs) it was another very relatable moment i thought though because like you've either been that person or you've been with someone who was that person i feel like like for me well Mm -hmm. it wasn't a planner it was a trash can on the corner of chinatown but like we've (laughs) all been there (laughs) oh yeah oh yeah and you're like this is not my house someone else will take it um can we talk about the game when will and charlie go over to their house and they're like, oh, we're going to play a game. It's real cool. <gasps> oh, yes. Oh, my God. Is this the Marissa no Tomei Tomei. moment? Oh, my God. <laughs> and the two, and Lydia and Kitty, like uh, Luke and what's, what's the other, what's Kitty's name in it? And they're uh, just Keegan. doing my cousin. And they're just like, <laughs> my clock is, and they just know the whole 
The defense is wrong. The defense is wrong. And then he's like, Laura Dern. And they're like, of course he knows Laura Dern. Of course. Of course, Laura Dern. First, just, yeah, lowest hanging fruit. (laughs) Oh my God. But there's even a moment before where Will is like, we're adults. We don't play games. And Noah's like, Howie, turn on 60 minutes. <laughs> okay, but I will just say that game where you hold the phone up and it's got, it's basically charades or whatever. That mm-hmm. game is taboo. That game is very fun. Highly it recommend. Yes. I wanted to play it. After watching it, I was like, I would slay this game. Kristen, <laughs> next time, next time we get together, we will do it. And you and I will be like Will and Grace playing yes. a picture where like it takes two seconds and they get yep. each other's. <laughs> they also have another kind of another field ball moment at the underwear party where everything goes to hell right one right after the other cooper confronts Noah in the bathroom and says um will's here for me he's gonna be my starter boyfriend in la and then noah bashes dex's nose they go into that room oh but Kristen, Kristen, sorry sorry just the part in the bathroom where he's like is this because he's asian he goes I didn't say that. Yes. You said that. Right. Oh, so evil, but like yeah. so real. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Oh, devastating. Sorry. Go ahead. Christian, did you did you like have any uh like reaction to that scene? Like, is that like a quintessential e- evil um moment? Evil gay you? moment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I would... I was like, maybe don't say that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, it definitely is, especially of a very specific type, like an LA, very like in a place where image is everything, very Mm -hmm. superficial. Um, I think there's like the modernized kind of racial thing of it, of it being like a currency to have like a boyfriend who's a person of color and Mm -hmm. how it's evolved into that. um, It definitely like was like, okay, yeah, I know who this person is. (laughs) They're a piece of shit. Yeah. (laughs) The worst. They'll end up in Palm Springs when they're yeah. seven. Voting Republican in <laughs> exactly. Orange County. Yeah, exactly. Max is on drugs. Cooper appears to accuse Noah of wanting Will after all. Charlie mm-hmm. is with some other man and Howie is inconsolable. And then when Howie is actually found, he is very, very high. And uh, is he in that Noah little chair? Is he in that big chair? So cute. And and um, <laughs> Noah says something about this Zach Efron looking guy, and how he's like, I love neighbors too. <laughs> <laughs> he's just so high, he doesn't care anymore. I love yep. neighbors too. I really <laughs> it's all about references. Well, and the attitude to to sex though. I was going to say to you that like how he says to Noah, like, I don't even think it's working for you, like your attitude of I'm mm. just going to have sex and not care. But actually, I did like that Noah, he he's not like, I have to have sex to feel like I'm awesome. He's like, I'm awesome. So I have a lot of sex. And in Howie's mm. case, I was just trying to reverse engineer it a mm-hmm. little bit. Yeah. So first he has all the sex and then he realizes his, he's awesome, but it's never like a, a shaming thing of like, um, oh, you have too much sex and it's bad. It's pathological. Right. Never like that. And, and I appreciated that. Right. It's kind of like the speaking on the, the feeling of like requiring a requirement to have a lot of sex in yeah. the community. And if it's, whether it's genuine or not, I mean, you can like, even just not even like the way that it's done. It's like, you're not forming a bond with someone and it's just meaningless. And even if it is just a one night stand, it can mean something like at all. It doesn't have to be kind of devoid of all emotion and intimacy. 
like even well from said. the beginning he's like got that guy who seems mm-hmm. like a perfectly lovely person <laughs> we just kicked out <laughs> yeah <laughs> What's her name? this is this is boyfriend <laughs> energy and like right. i'm not yeah. right. <laughs> he's protecting himself yeah absolutely which feels very much like elizabeth you know like mm-hmm. i don't want to get married and tie myself to a person for the rest of my life you know even though it's a completely different situation and reason but mm-hmm. you know it's the same kind of a feeling <laughs> i mean people Definitely. just come out of the woodwork to propose to lizzie right <laughs> that must be a nice problem Kristen. what else is on your list when you know they're angry at charlie for bailing on howie and then mm-hmm. the, charlie winds up walking up to them as a group afterwards and and he's like, oh, are you talking about me? And Joel Kambuser's like, no, we're talking about our other friend, Charlie, who died in a fire. <laughs> <laughs> and then Charlie's like, oh, that's so Oh my sad. God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing is more tragic when you like try and be funny with someone and they just don't get it. It's like, yeah, how do you not have, me a lot. <laughs> why you don't have the reference for this? It's so like, ugh, ruin the mood. <laughs> when Charlie said to Howie, you're the most interesting man I've ever met. That was romantic to me. Oh, mm-hmm. sweet. And I loved the framing at the end where Will and Noah are on the dock together and the water is sparkling behind them. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And then they start and Will is like, I want that. And they're just two older men just dancing with each other. And so mm-hmm. they have to dance and Noah's like freaking out like, I don't know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> We're not getting married. It's just a dance. But how do, you, right. how do you feel about them going forward? Do you think they actually wound up being in a monogamous relationship? Um, I don't know. Yeah, right. my, I would say, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say my romantic view is that they were like, no, we're not going to be in a relationship so much that eventually just by default, they ended up, you know, <laughs> they right. just like each other too much. Right. The, the movie, especially the end of the movie is definitely like, all in on the romance and like the rom-com tropes of it Mm -hmm. and so I actually really appreciated that it was like well I don't really want to be monogamous well I don't really want that let's just see what happens like kind of leaving it open like that it felt natural Mm -hmm. for those characters um but I think like if you asked within the world of the movie like the four sides of the film the answer would be yes but like who knows no. Yeah. Now, doesn't Will live in California live too? Yeah, Will lives in California, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, now Noah's best friend and his romantic interest live in California. So like, he'll probably be flying over there and moving oh, yeah. at some point, probably. Do we oh, know yeah. what they did for a <laughs> We know that they used to be servers, but do we know what Noah's... Noah's a nurse and he says, okay. oh no, it's it's not noble. It's a clinic for uh, sluts. Oh, right. <laughs> <Pray>. <laughs> <laughs> and you can get a job if you're in healthcare you can get a job anywhere basically and yeah, the people listening true. to this are like haha you bitch um but i mean you know yeah i think that noah thinks that he doesn't want to be challenged but in that first conversation with will where will does start challenging him on powers noah's like just let me win but then he's drawn back to will so i think mm. noah likes to be challenged into changing like being willing to to stretch and so i think there's a chance they might be together yeah i think so yeah I think they're very complimentary and I think it's always a good thing when, if you have, when you can kind of switch personality types, if you're more of a dominant personality type, but you meet someone who's willing to kind of go back and forth between Mm -hmm. the both. um, I think it makes for an interesting relationship and the fact that they are kind of leaving the monogamy or polyamory of it very open, I think is a very modern take Mm though. It's very, I feel like Jane would understand. Yeah. 
Will and Noah, they never had sex during the movie, right? So that's Mm -hmm. it. They're starting off on a good note because Noah, we know, (laughs) can't. Right. You know, once you have sex, he's like, no, goodbye. (laughs) Too too close. Uh, I just just really. So intimate with each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. 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 I just, and we know they work as a team, like when they confront Dex and he gets lawyered. But I just, I love this movie for his being so unapologetically romantic uh, mm. with gay characters at the end like you get the the big gesture like you would in a hetero rom-com and giving mm. that to its gay characters but also being on like well as honest as a film can be about like what many people go to fire island for and being unapologetic right. with that and so it really kind of manages to have its cake and eat it too like you get yeah. both stories told yeah i think it gives something that maybe a lot of like heterosexual rom-coms don't give is that communities can be very multifaceted and they can have different things that they want and not everything has to be so homogenous right but there is power in taking what is usually a hetero trope like the Mm -hmm. rom-com and having that representation of a gay couple having those moments like i was very moved not just because i'm moved because i love those characters and stuff but moved to be like seeing that on my television openly i thought it was really beautiful i'm glad you used the word power because i was going to be so mad at myself if i didn't make this point in the (laughs) in the very beginning noah says to howie i realized how much power i was giving away to other people Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, because of, I think kind of what you were saying, Christian, about having to think steps ahead, having to be, Mm -hmm. you know, having to worry about what other people thought, he's like, I realized and I was going to just decided to take it back. And that is also a parallel to the Alice Monroe story Mm -hmm. that other people are sapping your powers. They're exploiting you and the, the. taking it back is what this movie is trying to kind of like celebrate or and that's something that people like me who live in like a white hetero world it's difficult to understand I will say that women kind of we can understand that because we often have to think about like the effect of what we say our behavior like will that lead to some kind of danger scenario for us with men in some circumstances you know, like kind of like having the keys between your fingers when you're walking to your car at night mm-hmm. idea. But like what you described is not something that we have to think about when we're just having conversations. And it brought it to mind also kind of the code switching that people mm-hmm. of color talk about having to do um, and like how exhausting <laughs> that must mm-hmm. be. Definitely. Like being yeah. in the mimosas when someone calls you Jackie Chan. Oh uh, my God. <laughs> that, and then they all just like look at each other. <laughs> they're just like done uh, that was it was like awful and then it was amazing yeah you're eating spit now yeah <laughs> I, this movie like this i don't know this that, that's why i love it because like it's so real about mm-hmm. things that are awful but then it's also like a beautiful fantasy in other mm-hmm. ways yeah like it's just it's doing so many things and it's doing them well in my opinion yeah, and I think uh, going back to the whole like power and reclaiming power, uh, I think it does a really great job at showing different ways to reclaim power. That's that it's not just a very kind of singular way. Uh, that maybe Noah's thinking that he has he's reclaiming his power because he's more in charge of his sex life and who he expo- like who he kind of uh, allows to be in his realm and you can kind of see that it works in probably a lot of situations, but it doesn't always work because you're kind of this whole storyline with Will and Charlie, you're kind of excluding 
anything that could happen with them until you let your guard down. And then like with uh, Luke and the the whole like revenge porn aspect of it, like reclaiming your power through community and kind of leaning on others rather than being like, well, I'm going to do it myself and that whole singular thing. And I think it was really a great job at saying like your path to reclaim power is not like kind of a singular way. It's going to change with each situation and that everything is different. That was incredible. Well what said. Awesome Thank point. You. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> oh my god my mind is blown <laughs> yeah, just I was just thinking while you were saying that I was thinking and like each character the way that they reclaim their power for themselves is different how like mm-hmm. a, a less nuanced film would have Howie like oh like if it was considered itself like going all in on the fire island sex thing like how he mm-hmm. does have sex and he loves it and that's how he gets his power right. but like that's not what his character is about standing right. up for himself standing up to himself to noah and charlie mm-hmm. is how he like reclaims his power and he's like i'm not gonna do it the way that you tell me i have to do it exactly and, yeah and he doesn't have to like jump into bed with people to like and that's also something that like, you know, we try to be very sex positive with young women and stuff, but like, you don't have to show you're powerful by having sex with everybody. Some people do that and that's great, but like, you don't have to. And so mm-hmm. it's, I don't, there's a lot of parallels there, I think. And I feel like it really relates back to the original as well, because they are women who are somewhat powerless in their identity, but mm-hmm. they're trying to, in their own ways, you know, keep their autonomy, especially Elizabeth and even Jane with like, despite everything, she's going to be the best person she can be, you know, like Mm -hmm. (laughs) she's never going to think bad about people. And that's part of her keeping her own power. And like Elizabeth, you know, we all know the book, but I just feel like it really relates (laughs) back to the original Pride and Prejudice really well as well. She's not going to say even like Lydia, Mm -hmm. you know, when she gets herself in the situation and she's like, well, I'm going to make the best of it. And I'm just going to pretend like this is exactly what I always wanted. You know, <laughs> <laughs> right. that's, that's a really, that's a really excellent point. And just another example of how like they really get the the material that they're adapting. I'm just staring at Kristen's dark screen. Like I expect that to, to tell me what she's thinking or what she's doing. <laughs> I, I, I am making space for other people to add comments just so that I don't <laughs> hijack things too soon. I have gone through my list. Those are like my top moments that I wanted to talk about. Um, I have other notes like, oh, the little outfits they put Charlie in, um, mm. like little notes. <laughs> or and Will at the underwear party. He's not even wearing underwear. I love a meaningful karaoke performance. I don't know about you. Sometimes when I'm in mm-hmm. the car and a song comes on, I imagine oh, yeah. myself singing car- karaoke, but it's a meaningful song. So I sing it to the person Or like Mm -hmm. I'm up on the stage in like some situation where that person is there and I sing it and they like understand this dimension of me because I love this song. And that exactly what happens here. And it's (laughs) so well, I'm such a nerd. I'm such a dork, but like, I love a meaningful karaoke performance. I'll just say that. Yeah. Yeah. Kristen, sometimes when I'm in, when I'm in the car and I'm singing in the car, I'm like, sometimes I laugh. Sometimes I cry. Sometimes I'm scared of you. <laughs> were, were, did you guys have any other favorite moments that you wanted to reminisce about? The cheese in the hot tub is um. Who doesn't <laughs> like cheese in a hot tub? 
I'll just I say just, in that scene, I just think of their little outfits in that scene when they're like prancing over mm-hmm. to the hot tub and he's like sticking his booty out. It's yeah. just it's so it's so like spot on. Oh, there's a moment no. where he's like they're invited to Charlie's um fancy house on the beach, and Keegan's like, We can't go there. We are literal trash. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. I think they're so smart. Maya had something. Oh, I was just going to say the one observation I had definitely when I first started watching this the other day was this is Pride and Prejudice on the shortest time scale. <laughs> it's yes. five days. At first I thought it was only a weekend. And then I was like, no, I think it's like maybe a week, but still, it's just yeah. like such yeah. a condensed version. Very rapid. <laughs> but they fit everything in. <laughs> they did a great job at that. I um, I think one of my favorite parts, if not my favorite part, is kind of the relationship between Keegan and Luke. Um, and I don't know if it's because I, I feel like I have a very similar situation with my best friend, um, especially when we were kind of like coming out of high school and we had our larger group of friends, we always kind of gravitated towards each other. And there's always like, you know, inside jokes that only we know about. And we kind of (laughs) tend to branch off in those big groups, just the two of us. And so I just really appreciated the relationship that they gave Keegan and Luke slash Lydia and Kitty. I feel like I almost, again, like I was saying, I wish there'd been more Max. I wish some yes. of that had been more in the front. You kind of have to be paying attention to what those two actors are doing mm-hmm. to see a lot of that happening, which this movie, again, like you are, re- you are given a lot in rewatches. Like it really pays to rewatch, right. but you have to kind of look for that more. And I just kind of wish it had been um, highlighted because they're also- I feel like more. there's not a version of Pride and Prejudice where you're not like, give me more Mary. <laughs> Yeah, not yeah. even the original. <laughs> She's so underutilized and so underappreciated in a way that kind of shocks me because she feels like such a very modern character, like just not fitting in, kind of such a dork. And Mary's TikTok. But in her own world. Yeah. Mary's TikTok. <laughs> yes. Very TikTok. Would, would be, be fun. Um, <laughs> I. I wonder, I bet if we talked to the director, he'd be like, oh, you know, we had all of this, but like we had to cut it and like we have so much good stuff that we didn't get to use. There is a director's commentary and I haven't listened to it yet, but it's on Hulu. You can watch Mm. it on Hulu. I have to tell you guys, oh, and a really funny story. So I had Hulu, but I was using a friend's password Mm -hmm. for like two years. And then I I guess he had to change it for whatever reason. It had been a long time since I checked into Hulu. And so Mm -hmm. when I tried to do it, he had changed it. And I was like, I cannot be that person. (laughs) Could you give me your password again? So I was like, you know, whatever. I, there's a lot of stuff on Hulu. I really like including reservation dogs, which you absolutely should Mm -hmm. watch if you haven't. So I'm like, actually I'll sign up. So I signed up. I signed up. The first thing I watched was Fire Island. And then we were watching Reservation Dogs and the ads I was getting were for medication bike prep and other things. And my husband goes, why does Hulu think you're a gay man? And I would paused wow. it and I was like, fared. Literally the only thing I've watched is Fire Island. <laughs> and he was like, okay, that's The right. gayest program. <laughs> of course it thinks I'm a gay man. It's not completely wrong. <laughs> keep me on time like this is like a graduate seminar guys i feel like we <laughs> really covered this movie in a lot of dimensions um should we wrap up are there any last thoughts does anyone want to give a closing statement ladies and gentlemen of the jury closing <laughs> <Closing> statement. <laughs> the best adaptation of pride prejudice that i will make a statement <laughs> that this is the 
this is the best modernized adaptation of Jane Austen that I have seen. And my husband said, better than Clueless. And I said, yes, better than Clueless as an adaptation of the original (laughs) work. I think there is like a, a taste level with this adaptation that a lot of other adaptations just don't have. Um, I feel like it's the first one since like a modernized version, the first one since Clueless that has kind of uh, really met that taste level where it's like, I don't feel like stupid watching or I'm just like, I don't care about this like lifetime storyline. Yeah. And really tasteful uh, group sex scenes, I thought. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Some very good, tasteful, like. I get what you're saying. And I absolutely agree. Yeah, no, yeah. It's the most skin we ever get in a Pride and Prejudice adaptation, for sure. (laughs) Well, I think it's something that me and Maya talk about all the time, where it's just like, there is so much, like, steaminess to Jade Austen, especially with, like, uh, Pride and Prejudice and, like, the rain scene and all that. And I feel like we barely ever get any sex in Jade Austen. And there's, like, so much going on. Especially, like, when I think of Sanditon and we have Clara and Edward's relationship, (laughs) how it is. I was like, that is so, I bet you that's what they were doing. That's probably so normal for back then. I mean, people Everyone's have always, always had sex. sex. Yeah, like exactly. uh, people are the same <laughs> no matter guys, what. Did you ever watch, okay, back, I don't know how many years ago, but a while back, PBS used to do like Manor House and 1950s House. Yes, and- I love those with my mom. 1900s House was my favorite. <laughs> they did a Regency one and yeah. they had a bunch of people. They had, and it so quickly devolved into everyone having sex with each other and I was like that's the regency for you <laughs> yeah yes. the, I would say like the big difference though is just the consequences of that behavior for women was mm. like so incredibly devastating but yeah. yet there was no acknowledgement that people were still doing it it's like when schools try right. to their sex education is abstinence it's like this right. is not acknowledging reality Right. And yet this they is- have the highest teen pregnancy rates. <laughs> uh-huh. Right, right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Everyone was so horny back then. I mean, like, look at all the dresses. Like, everyone's... Look at the clothes. <laughs> yeah, it was like... So the, horny. The umpire waistline is like, let me make my boobs as big as possible and have them on the screen. And that, like, thin <laughs> muslin. Yes. <laughs> Everything is, like, borderline see-through. So horny. <laughs> Uh, the buckskin so. pants and the, right. like, the and just pants. like a flap right there in the front. Oh wait, I mean that was like <laughs> <opposite. laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just like uh, I want more adaptations that are like explore sex in the Regency. So that'd be very nice. And not just Bridgerton. <laughs> yeah, not right. just Bridgerton. <laughs> right. right. I want it. Just everything that. should be that. Everything should be horny Jane Austen. Here's yeah. my here's my thing. Mansfield Park is by far the horniest in terms of characters. Oh, Kristen, get out of here. No, no, no. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. I'm just teasing you. <laughs> <laughs> of course, she has here. to bring it back to I thought you were gonna say something about Fire Island, like your final thing. And then she was like, Mansfield Park. And it's like <laughs> Maya's definitely gonna be on team. Well, we just covered the 1909 <laughs> adaptation, and that is definitely one of the sexiest Jane Austen movies oh, that sure. are adaptations. And um yeah, it definitely makes you go, oh yeah, Mansfield Park is all about sex. <laughs> and I think you yes. just picked our next discussion topic for if we do Mans. I, I've been pushing for us to do Mansfield Park again because I know Kristen loves it. So what mm-hmm. if we do an episode focusing on like the horniness of Mansfield Park? Yeah. I try. Oh, please to- have me back for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
that be our next joint venture? <laughs> Perfect. As a foursome. <laughs> as, as like, I always think about myself, like how would I direct Mansfield Park if I was going to direct it? And there are so many moments where you could do such horny things, like mm-hmm. not show full on sex, but like sometimes it's the horniness is the sex they're not having. Like right? the hands touching, yeah. like the hand like flex. The anticipation, the buildup. Yes, there, there's so much tension in that group. It's just like a cauldron that I've thrown these mm-hmm. people together with Mary and Henry Crawford. Um, and so, any, but anyway, <laughs> yeah, we could totally do that. Um, I would talk about Mansfield Park at any time with anybody. So let's uh, <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. Let's put, let's make a note of that for the future. And I, I, I didn't I didn't mean to like disparage your um, no, no, not at all. Mansfield no, I, Park. I'm, I'm a good sport about it. Oh, I, um, <laughs> on Twitter, there's this account that just tweets the actual text of the books. And um, they were doing Mansfield Park. And I retweeted a couple that had like hidden sex in the like words. Mm. And I was like, just repeated the words. And so my friend Adrian on Twitter just responded to me and she was like, bro, are we going to read the entire book like this? <laughs> <laughs> and I wrote back to her like, it's Mansfield Pork. I'm get out of here thank you so much (laughs) gentle gentle listeners thank you so much for joining us (laughs) what else is there to say after that well i'm sure that the uh creators of fire island would appreciate that joke Kristen. I'm sure. sure. <laughs> sure. They probably made it themselves. <laughs> Maybe they'll tackle Mansfield pork next. Please. I can't wait to Please. see. I can't wait to see what they all do next because I think it was fantastic. Um, anyone have any final recommendations for media books that you're loving right now? Usually we do that. I'm trying to, I don't think we think have any major mail to talk about. So we could just do that and then call it a day. Yeah. What are you guys reading or watching or listening to? Uh, well, to piggyback off of our a horny period piece conversation um on a flight i just watched uh, a couple months ago on a flight back portrait of a lady on fire oh that's supposed to be so good it was it was amazing and i had just been in paris so i was like <laughs> i need everything french in my life but it there is like it is like the horniest period piece i've ever seen in my life there's so much anticipation there is kind of like uh, you know, sex scenes and nudity and all that stuff because it's French, but it is just so good. <laughs> Everyone is so perfect in it. And I love lesbian representation. This is like lesbian actually. bodice ripper kind of, yes. right? Yes. Yes. Okay. I love lesbian period pieces. It's kind of like a well, who niche does it? of my. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I want to watch them all. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. The like exhaustive list of lesbian yes. period pieces. <laughs> <laughs> I just love it. There's that other one with um, Kate Winslet. I can't remember what it's called. It just came out like a couple of years ago, but I haven't watched it yet. This is that's a great recommendation. I remember when that came out. So good. Was it was it's just like the acting was like perfect. It was a perfect film, in my opinion. <laughs> Maya, what are you uh what do you have as a recommendation? Well, I recently started watching Poker Face with oh, Natasha. You have to have Peacock Premium. You have to have Peacock Premium. I know. It's so good. I got so to a couple of football games and I was like, well, I might as well watch Poker Face while I'm there. <laughs> oh, I really want to watch it. Good. And it's uh good. it's so it's such like um a, a like a it's almost nostalgic because it's like so murder she wrote, Matlock, even the very mm-hmm. opening credits are like like 80s <laughs> font <laughs> yes. and uh, you know. And it's just a lot of fun. It's a murder of the week. 
and mm-hmm. I'm I've only gotten a few like I'm like four or five episodes in but she just like met an FBI agent and I'm like oh, I knew that they were gonna have some sort of <laughs> 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 <Speaking> of cases <laughs> uh, yeah I've heard it described as a modern day Columbo and I'm like mm-hmm. all in on that yeah Columbo merch, all of those <laughs> I think my favorite aspect of it is like week to week seeing what like insane like major guest stars they have on there it is like <laughs> uh, big 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 names I'm, I'm so desperate to watch it but I'm not willing to right. pay more for <laughs> yeah. premium fuck it's you NBC just wait till it's all out and then you can binge, binge it all real yeah. quick yeah <laughs> if any of our listeners have a peacock premium password that they'd be willing That's to share with me yes, I love it idea. and then I can and then I can watch then I can watch traders without having to drive to my friend's house to watch it <laughs> That's a great which if you love um Alan Cumming and you love fabulous Scottish fashion like you have to watch traders. I heard it's great and I it do is love fun my little bout of reality TV shows. It is fun. So I will have to watch it. Um, and I will give a shout out. I am rereading a book that has been in my top 10 since I was a teenager. Um, so AMC has done this like, Anne Rice's immortal universe with Interview with a Vampire. <laughs> and they also recently adapted her book, The Witching Hour into a show called The Mayfair Witches. <laughs> it's trash. It's terrible. Oh, I no. only made it five <laughs> episodes. <Wait so> good. <laughs> no, it's it's not good trash. Like I only made it five episodes and I had to tap out because I was just like, this is so bad. It's just badly made as badly written. Um, I don't, maybe you'll love it. Anyway, my point is the witching hour is one of my favorite books of all time. It's like 2000 pages. It has this incredible 600 page, 300 year history of this witch family that is so compelling. So I decided to reread it because it's probably been 20 years and I really was hoping it would hold up. And I'm still absolutely into it it is cringy in the way that 90s <laughs> and rice will always be cringy um so Perfect. like fair warning on that but it's so good the witching hour by Anne rice so good i love that i'm gonna have to read that one <laughs> it's really good just like it's you know like some things don't age well but it's good i like cringy and cheesy a lot <laughs> you'll love it if you love incest you'll love it now. <laughs> yeah i mean there's a lot my of favorite genre yeah right lesbian incest. watch house of the dragon yeah <laughs> exactly exactly it's perfect all right Kristen, what are you watching or reading or enjoying i know that we all have complicated feelings now about buffy the vampire slayer in Portland, there's this fun little theater that they just do whatever they want. And they were, sh- they were showing the Buffy, the musical episode, um, mm-hmm. once more with feeling. And they're like, just come out and watch this one episode. And um, so I, I, ha- I had to go and I took my husband and he had never seen it before. And so I like rediscovered it. I, you know, he loved it. I lo- I loved it all over again. I've been listening to the soundtrack in my car. It's like, s- there's so many bangers. Like, I don't know how it's so good. <laughs> so many good memories of listening to that soundtrack with people, Kristen. <laughs> didn't we go see it? Did we go see the, when they did the musical showing? Yeah, but you yeah, and we but Kevin, Kevin didn't go. And so um, he didn't know the magic of it. And now he does. And I'm so <laughs> happy about that. You know, you can share your nerdy love with your spouse oh, yes. or significant, significant other. And I'm like, now you respect me more. <laughs> because you know the things that like are actually good. Don't <laughs> <laughs> well, trust my opinion though. <laughs> I love a good musical episode. I feel like it's always one of the best episodes of a series. Like when Grey's Anatomy did their musical episode, I was like, this might be one of the best episodes. Did they have Sara Ramirez? (laughs) Did Sara Ramirez sing in that? 
I think so. Yeah. Oh, maybe they have to. I was to. like, you have to. You have okay. to. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm glad to hear that. star. Okay. Well, well, thank you guys. Nailed so- it. Crushed it. Yeah, crushed <laughs> it. <laughs> thank you guys so much for doing this. This is amazing. I'm yeah, always so happy to talk to you us. too. Uh, I think we should definitely do like a Mansfield Park horny episode. I'd love yes. that. <laughs> I'm serious. I'd love that. Let's yes. like look ahead on the calendar. Be like four months, however long we all need to read it again. Kristen like has it memorized. So yes, but I think I think that would. Have you guys done Mansfield Park? Have you talked about it yet? You just did the movie. No, have you talked about the book? Um, on the docket for next year. This year we're doing Pride and Prejudice. Okay, well maybe we'll catch up with you next year then. But I think that would be, be so fun, and hopefully we'll talk to you all again sooner than a year. Yeah, definitely. Yes, definitely. We're always down. We can always. always what okay okay we always what talk if, about horniness. What, what, if Chris, what if Kristen and I come on to talk about David Lynch I stopped asking people to be guests just because I got really lazy but I, uh, <laughs> yeah, like, let us know yeah, let us know if you're when you're doing David Lynch and maybe we can then guest on as on your um on your podcast and we'll talk that about instead definitely. of Jane Austen we'll talk about David Lynch Definitely. And we'll bring it back to Jane Austen because he always does. Of course, of course. There's <laughs> of course. shockingly so many parallels. <laughs> there really are. <laughs> we gonna, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I forgot. I forgot. How did I forget this? So we sign off our episodes with the phrase, we have delighted you long enough, which you probably recognize from the 1995 Pride and Prejudice. Mr. Bennett says it to Kitty <laughs> after she's like, you have delighted us long enough. So would you guys <laughs> like to do the honors? Like I'll do sure. one and then you can say... Okay, well, let me let me cue it up. I'll okay. cue it up for you. We have delighted you long enough is the thing we said. Yeah. Okay. Okay, well, I think that was such. Thank you to our guests, Christian and Maya from Manners and Madness for joining us. This was it's so much fun. So Can't awesome. wait to do it again. Um, Kristen, I think if we don't have anything else, I think we're just ready to do our closer. Kristen and Maya, would you like to do the honors? <laughs> yeah, sure. Kristen or Christian? Christian and Maya. Did I say Kristen? Yes. I can't be trusted. I'm in perimenopause, you guys. I can't be trusted. My brain is totally fine. That is not a lie, by the way. I can't remember words. Simple, normal words. I feel your pain. (laughs) Christian and Maya, would you like to do the honors? Sure, yeah. Sure. You, we, we, oh God. (laughs) I was like, wait, what's the word? Okay, I'll count. I'll do the the count, okay? (laughs) Sorry. We have, we have delighted de- you. Delighted you long, long enough. enough. Yeah. <laughs> <Jesus laughs> <Christ. laughs> ah, next time I'll have cue cards. <laughs> <laughs> Numbers are hard. Numbers are hard. <laughs>